Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sibling Chivalry. Um, it's me, Sarah. Um, today I have a special guest with me. I have my mom. Say hi, mom. Hello, everybody. Um, today we are going to uh, talk about my brother Aaron some. I know last episode I kind of gave you a little bit of an intro about my brother, but today we're going to share some stories about him, some of our favorite memories, um, just kind of dive a little deeper into who my brother was. Um, then we're going to answer some questions that you guys have sent in, which I really appreciate. Um, so yeah, let's get started. Um, so Aaron, let's talk about Aaron. Do you have some fun memories that come to mind right off the top of your head? Oh yeah, I have a lot, a lot of fun memories, but they may seem like silly to some because they're so simplistic, like the snarl of his lip. Which, kind of an Elvis smile a little bit sometimes. Uh, yeah, this, that snarl that would come, it wasn't always there, but it, he could make it happen. The way he'd wrap his fingers in the back of my hair when I carried him and nape of my neck. And he'd just kind of dig those little fingers in, trying to hang on while I carried him on my hip. And I also remember when I'd clean his ears after a bath with the Q-tips a little bit. And oh, he loved that. And while I would be carefully cleaning out one ear, his little fingers would just be scratch, 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 back and forth across my top of my hand. And he would just, his eyes and face would be like dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely enjoyed he, to get his ears clean. Just smelling his hair after a bath. You know, they were very simple things because we didn't have a complex relationship. It was pretty basic grunts and... You know, he was nonverbal mostly. So it was talking with eyes and talking with little grunts and nuanced, you know, gestures and things. He had very expressive eyes, though. And those those eyes could see right through you for sure. Oh, yeah. Soul is the eyes of whatever window to the soul. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember um, just kind of things growing up with Aaron. It was always uh interesting at dinner time went back when he could still eat food he made some messes remember that time in michigan where we fed him spaghetti and he just had it all over it was all over his face all over his clothes all in his hair oh yeah he loved his food all over (laughs) or pictures with crate he had some kind of just absolute crazy face he had chocolate pudding just (laughs) all over his face I think some of my favorite pictures of him are where he has just food smeared all over his face. I remember when we'd go to restaurants and we'd order a food and we'd probably be sitting there with just drinks maybe or some appetizer or salad and his eyes would just stare at the food. You know, he didn't look at you. He oh, yeah. looked at the food. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, when are you going to give me a bite of that already? Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely funny to he wanted the food yeah he did that with his cup too like whenever they would bring drinks and then he'd just be he'd constantly like reach for his cup even though there wasn't even anything in it yet he'd try to drink from it and put it down I mean he was like come on let's go I want my drink I want my food I'm ready to go the kid loved food well I think we all love food but 
but he did not get to have the choices like we have. Well, I think there were so few things that he could really enjoy or look forward to. You know, it was it was food, it was it was drinks, it was you know, books, Disney movies. I mean, those are those are what he had. Well, I remember I used to say to God as he lost some of these abilities as he grew. You know, he walked, then he didn't walk. Ate, then he didn't eat. You know, and so on. And uh, it would be like he has a very small world to start with. And uh, you know, you went to expand it, but I don't know. It just it was not good, but we made it work. No, oh, yeah. I mean, even when he went on tube feedings, we still managed to. You know, give him little bites here and there, and I mean, I think it would have been hard for us to just completely deny him those things by mouth. I mean, he—it was one of those last things he had that he enjoyed so much, and you just really couldn't take that away from him completely. That's what I didn't finish my thought a minute ago. I was going to say that I had, he lost the ability to walk. God, when that happened, I questioned God, and then later when he couldn't eat although we still gave him some bites towards the very end he could not eat it was literally killing him so God did at the end take that too and such a big motivator for him oh yeah you know, I'm sure he thought I am so ready to go to heaven yeah <laughs> I mean he was he was he was so out of it there at the end though you know it was just crazy how quickly everything changed as soon as as soon as he came home that last time I mean it was it was almost like compared to the rest of his life it was just like a snap of the fingers and it was done but you know I didn't see it I was looking through pictures and this is part of grief how it hits you sometimes pictures months after he passed probably at least six months and uh uh, was for some reason in the last year's Christmas pictures and um, I was flipping through it and there was you there was Tanner there was dad there was the dog there was me and I'm like where's Aaron where's Aaron and then the final two pictures was him sitting out here on his couch with all his Christmas presents spread around him and a miserable look on his face and he looks so shockingly sick to me and yet somehow I didn't see it that day it's just happy to have him home yeah but I looking back at that photo six months later after his passing I was like well he didn't look good and yeah. I didn't see it at the time well I think we were just so happy to have him home you know I mean that's really all we had asked for was let's just have him home and you know once the new year comes we'll deal with whatever we just wanted him home I mean Thanksgiving was hard enough in the hospital and then his birthday and you know we just we didn't want another holiday in the hospital and so I think we kind of we all kind of looked over it well, just to have him home y'all didn't like that Thanksgiving at the hospital food no that hospital food was but what, what kind of Thanksgiving is it that was just there was not really like the stuffing was weird and like I ended up eating chicken tenders for Thanksgiving. The, remember the the lesson in that. Aaron was not unhappy with the food. True. He was 
he was happy to eat what he got. Whereas we were complaining we wanted certain things that we always had. And so the lesson from Aaron that he kind of teaches us is like, be more thankful, be more grateful, quit complaining. Yeah. I mean, he, he had to deal with a lot in his 30 years here. And I mean, yeah, he couldn't talk, but I mean, he... He went through all of it. He, he came through all of it up until the end, you know, and yeah, he couldn't complain. He still, you know, would smile when we put in a movie for him and smile when we gave him, you know, little snacks here and there. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lesson to be thankful for, for what you have. Be thankful for the time that you have with people because you don't, you don't know yeah, what's going to come the next day. I think we're all just a little too particular in our tastes and if we don't get exactly what we want we can be unhappy and miserable oh yeah every every person i mean look at look at aunt judy she was very stuck in her ways she went i remember remember when we went down and we did we stay with her i think it was after grandma passed or something or maybe grandma was still alive and aaron was watching disney movies and she's like no we're gonna watch this now and she just Put something on the TV that she wanted to watch. I don't think we were staying with them, but we were there after church. Sunday, we'd gone to church with them and then came over for lunch. Uh, I don't know where we were staying. I don't we think might it, have, we might have. We were either in a hotel or maybe I at Lori's. Staying with Lori. Yeah. yeah. Possible. Yeah. Not um. sure on that one. Now I know I know some listeners. Um, I don't know how um, if your siblings were you know able to use a restroom or if they were in diapers. But um, Aaron was pretty much like a baby, so he was in diapers his entire life, and um, he made it to thirty years old. So if you can imagine um, a a thirty year old in diapers, there were definitely some some doozies along the way um i know i mentioned in my last episode about my brother having a woody doll from toy story and there was one time in particular i believe we were in michigan and he had this i mean the there's no better way to say the diaper literally exploded everywhere and as we're cleaning it up we come across his woody and on there was just it was all over Woody, but it was on his nose, and there's a picture of it somewhere I think with Woody with poo on his nose, and brown smudge. Yes, and so we definitely had our fair share of messes with Aaron. Um, that took two hours, three people to clean up that. Yeah, that was a, that was a big. One of us took Aaron and cleaned him up. One of us had carpet duty and one of us had to clean the mat outside I think yeah I mean we had to go through I mean because he had all of his books and everything scattered out there too so we had to go through all the books and if it had poo on it we had to throw it out we had to check the toys for poo and clean them off and we had to yeah wipe up the mat we had to get it you know some of it had gotten onto the carpet he had I think he had even kind of made a trail down down the hallway into the kitchen so it it was definitely everywhere so there was Never a dull moment. He was infamous for his trails. (laughs) Oh, yes. He would, he would, oh my goodness, there are so many of those. And I think they got, you know, once he got the crypto, I think those were some of the absolute worst ones. Cryptosporidium. Yes, the cryptosporidium. For your viewers. 
cryptosporidium. It was something in the water. And because whenever we did his tube feedings, we would put it, we would use water to kind of, you know, we would use the water to kind of thin the formula a little bit, but also to kind of put it down there and help keep him hydrated. And I guess it was just something that was in the water. And no, it's probably tap water because all the tube feeding is flushed with distilled water. But I think sometimes we would kind of use some of the tap water into the formula to kind of, at one point in time, and then we started using the the filtered water and everything after after all of that. But yeah, there were some nasty messes. I mean, it, we're, we're sitting here right now in the room that used to be his, his room, basically. It had a couch, TV, all of his toys and books. And when mom finally moved the couch you rearranged everything and you got the mats up and you could just see these color lines in the carpet from (laughs) from where we had either missed something or just the the years of of poo just getting on the carpet and didn't you kind of get frustrated with the poo when you were cleaning it up no i actually had a grief breakdown because I it's a light colored carpet not white but like a cream and uh, when I took up the mat that I finally took up the mat and we kind of cleaned the room up and got it ready for Christmas I believe and uh, when I pulled the mat up there were stains and those stains represented to me something very unpleasant I battled every day of his life I many times I cried changing some of his diapers and rinsing out the clothes out in the garage and just thinking what a terrible terrible thing it was to have these GI issues and then uh, so when I was trying to clean the spots I just got sobbing and was just like determined to make them disappear. And I, I literally scrubbed that floor for a couple of hours with all the strength I had in me, crying and sobbing. And it was very, um, I don't know, what's the word? Healing? The nice release. To fight that stain. It was just a stain, but I spot it. And when I it finally dried the next day, I realized I mostly got it. You know, if you had a, certain eye and knew where to look you might notice it but but that I felt like I almost what's the word when you get rid of something make it disappear um anyway the, the demon or the monster that I fought it was gone from the carpet you know that I didn't see it anymore so it felt like a victory <laughs> <laughs> but it was also grieving the thing that took my son was represented by that stain and he left those stains in every house we lived in on every carpet we had sometimes in other places and other people's homes and other churches and nurseries and cars and he left his mark both physically and yeah when emotionally when he attended church with us when he was younger he would always take a nap on the pew when he was small and by the time we would leave or they put in new pews, there would be a watermarks all in his area there on the 
the bench seat, the, the padded bench seat, and that we would say, Aaron left his mark. He sure did. He left his mark on people's hearts, too. There are so many people, especially right after he passed, that that reached out and shared little memories or little, you know, things that they, they loved about Aaron. And it's it's crazy to think for a kid who couldn't talk, he reached a lot of people, you know. I mean, I, I had said it in... The, the, the first episode that I, I don't think that he ever met somebody that he didn't like. And I think within minutes of meeting anybody, they were a fan of Aaron. I mean, he was just, in his earlier years, he was just such a, a happy kid for, some, for somebody who had so much wrong physically and mentally. He was a happy kid. And I... You couldn't be in his presence for very long without just cracking a smile. You know, it was, he had that awesome effect on people. Well, I like to think of him now that he's gone as um, an inspiration. When I recently battled COVID and was in the hospital and I was the patient, I remembered how he behaved, you know, and, and when he was in the hospital and how patient and brave and stoic he would be and how he would win over his nurses and with a smile and a childlike kind of presence that they would pick up on, even though he may not look like a child anymore. But um, I see him as a life lesson whenever I look at any time in his life that I, I recall. And, it's like, if you would take the time to look at Aaron, whatever situation you found him, mm -hmm. or cr cross paths with him, you would see someone who had learned to adapt within what abilities he had t to still be happy in the world, even though he had zero control of his life and what he could or couldn't do. He was limited by his disabilities, but he was also limited by his intellect. And so he was reliant on everybody. And I've always said to everybody, the worst disability is a mental deficiency because you cannot overcome that physically. If you have a mental disability, a physical disability and not, uh, not mental, you can overcome because you have the brain and the thinking still intact. But if you have a not a very high-functioning brain, then you can't overcome your physical disabilities. Yeah, he really had he really had to re rely on everybody. He couldn't. I mean, he was very much a baby. Patience. He, he uh, <clears throat> and stubbornness. Boy, I mean, I I like to think of it as a positive. <laughs> And the reason why he survived as long as he did was the stubbornness. But if he really wanted something, he would wear you down. You would give in. I said that too many times. I would give in before you in a battle of wills. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the kid, I don't know how many times he has watched every single, you know, movie that he had. But the kid loved Disney. I mean, it was all about Disney. Now, some of the newer stuff he didn't like. 
Some of the older stuff he didn't like. He was very particular and he would just get attached to certain ones where he just loved it. But, you know, every so often you would try to make him watch a new one or try to get him to like a new one. Like you'd make him watch Up or you'd make him watch, uh, you know, Finding Nemo or something. And so you'd put it in for him and like, okay, well, you're going to watch this, you know, and you'd, you'd block him out. You'd block him into the room because if, if he didn't box. want with a box, <laughs> a box with nothing in it, mind you, um, because you wanted him, you, you're going to watch it, Aaron, you know, and he would, he would throw a fit. If he didn't want to watch it, he would throw a fit. And there were some times when he just downright was screaming. He did not want to watch it. Like that kid was stubborn, but you know, or if, you know, he was watching, he, it's like he knew when the movie was about to be over. I'd say probably if there was maybe like 15, 20 minutes left in the movie, he'd come find you and be like, okay, well, I'm ready for my next one. And if you didn't get up, he would literally like, there are times, you know, Start within, throwing things off he the would, tables. he would throw things down. He would bring you a kitchen towel. <laughs> he would that's from the pecs. Yes, they tried to <laughs> they tried to use pictures with him and stuff like that to to ask for what he needs, but it kind of backfired because then he would just bring us whatever, um, or he would lay down on the floor and just stare at you <laughs> until you got up and flap his hands and yeah and flap his hands until you got up to give him what he wanted. I mean, he was he was persistent mm. and stubborn. He learned how to get what he wanted the only way he could. Yeah, but you know. To that point, though, I think what happened is when he early when he was younger, he was more receptive to new things. The older he got, the sicker he got. He just fell back on the same old things and really didn't let anything new into his life. Mm -mm. It was Beauty and the Beast, Mary Poppins, Lion King, Aladdin, you know, and a couple others that he really, really liked. And some stuff he'd tolerate, but for the most part, it was that core set of movies that he just, he absolutely loved. I think he was bored with them even towards the end. Yeah. I know the, the towards the, I think, I can't remember what, what day it was, but I think Tanner had come over with me and we were going to see if we could get a smile out of him and we put in Mary Poppins. Now, the the first 15 minutes, I would say, of Mary Poppins. Now, Mary Poppins has a, a pretty long opening with all the credits, but when it gets to where Bert is playing the one-man band and, and doing all the singing and the, the musing and talking to all the people. That was Aaron's favorite part of that movie. Like, he would go bananas. Like, happy screams, laughing, cackling. He absolutely loved it. Throwing himself back. Oh, yeah. He would get the He would get so into it. And so we wanted to see if we could get a smile out of him because the smiles were almost completely gone at that point in time. And so we, we put it on and... We got nothing. And it was just like, okay, wow. If Mary Poppins isn't going to do it, then nothing is. Because that was like the one thing. That be all end all of cures for Saturday. Oh, yeah. And you you it popped that work. in and he was he was happy. But, yeah, in those last few days, it, it did nothing. And that's, I think that was the first thing. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is definitely serious. Because if Mary Poppins can't do it, then... Nothing can really, because that was. It was a good decision on your part to stay. <laughs> yeah, I I mean that that first day when I came over, and you guys had him laying on the bed in the computer room. I just kind of laid next to him, and there was just kind of a little something in me that was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't leave. 
And so, you know, I, cause I, I think that was one of my fears always was that if Aaron did pass, I wouldn't be here or I'd be somewhere where I couldn't get here in time, you know? And I think his passing was one that I, I didn't want to miss, you know? I mean, having been there for him for all 30 of his years, I didn't want to not be there for him yeah. at the end. And especially that last night where I wasn't sure if I should call into work or not. And I remember the nurse that that night, she was like, if I were you, I wouldn't. She's like, I, I would not go in. She's like, if your gut is telling you don't, I wouldn't. And I mean, it was it was a smart call because, yeah, that morning when I called and it just it was just a couple hours after I called and said I won't be there that it happened. So, I mean, it was... I had to always ask that he not die alone, too, because many years I had a fear of when he was first diabetic of overdosing or underdosing him and going into a coma or something. I would actually wake up in the middle of the night, just bolt up in bed, thinking, I forgot to give him his insulin or whatever, and I'd just be panicked. took me a while to get past that. I mean, and that kid went pretty low sometimes, too. I mean, there were a couple... What was the lowest blood sugar you ever got on him? It was in the teens somewhere. And he was still just up, yeah. which is crazy. Because well, most, most he people starting get to that lose. low. He would, he would just stare. Yeah. And he might drool. But there were times when his blood sugar was, like, in the 30s. And he's just like, whatever, watching TV, flipping a book. But he was less coordinated yeah. and stuff. If you... If you gave him something, he couldn't hang on to it and things. So it did impact him, but he just didn't show outwardly as much yeah. as you might expect. Or he couldn't say, hey, well, I don't feel good. He was definitely a mystery kid, that's for sure. Like, I don't think they ever really, truly... I mean, there were some things that they diagnosed him with, but I mean, towards the end there, I just think they kind of ran out of answers. It's my belief point. he was vaccine injured after his... Second MMR, that's what I've come to believe when I went back after he passed and I looked at timelines and stuff when I was kind of reviewing his life. It was right after his booster shot that he started having the seizures, the diabetic need for insulin, and then the hives that were so bad for a couple years. The hives that we called crop circles? Yes, because... We did all sorts of tests to try to figure out where those were coming from and never did discover where they came from. They just kind of start, they just kind of popped up. They lasted and, for several years. And there were times when his face would just be so swollen. I mean, like his nose would be almost like triple in size, basically. And he'd have like chipmunk cheeks and... Every morning it'd be something different. Just these dark, dark circles it looked like he'd all been over him. beat up. Yeah, they were they were bad. There were some mornings that it was really bad, but I used to tell him at school what it was and got a note from his doctor because someone who didn't know would think he was abused because was as they were they were so big in their edema that they were bruising the skin into the second and third layer of the dermis or whatever it's called, and and then after they would the swelling would go down, there would be bruises everywhere. He'd have bruises his whole shin up and down on his arms and abdomen, back, so on. Yeah, they definitely left a mark on him, that's for sure. Now, you said that 
when we talked previous that you had some thoughts that you wanted to share. You want thoughts or stories? Well, you said you had some thoughts that you wanted to share when we kind oh. of talked beforehand about what we were going to do. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I was going to tell you about an encounter I had at the dog park the other day. I um, take my lab, Archie, golden, not a golden, Labrador retriever, golden, yellow, whatever, to the park. And he was Aaron's, intended to be Aaron's service dog, therapy dog, whatever. And he had done some of the, his training, but Aaron got too sick and we never finished. So he never got certified or anything. But um, so after Aaron passed, I've been, he's now my dog, <laughs> it's claimed to me. And um, I was talking about it with a lady up there who also had a service dog more of a military type dog. And uh, she asked me when I told her that it was my son's and he passed. She asked me and I was kind of shocked. She said, what one thing, if you could tell me something, what one thing would you want to tell me that you'd like me to know about special needs kids so when I encounter them again, I'll do the right thing. And I was like, wow, nobody's ever asked me that, (laughs) you know. And so I said, well, one of the things that always bothered me when I would bring Aaron to the park or the dog park or any park or walking the city streets would be so how many people would greet me and greet my dog and never say a word to my son of greeting or acknowledge that he was even there. It would be all about, oh, your dog is so cute. Your dog is so cute. Where'd you get him? Oh, I love labs. And it was as if my son wasn't there. And I would think to myself, well, now if I had a little baby in a stroller, it'd be different. But because he's big and different looking, you know, that childlike, even though he's got a man's body, they, they're uncomfortable. They don't say anything. They don't acknowledge his humanity. And that would always bother me. I'd always say, well, they like the dog. Right. And that just, and when she actually listened to me, and then she said, Well, I'm going to remember that. When I come upon, upon them and they're with their family member, I'm going to acknowledge all of them. And I was like, Well, maybe one person, one person out there, you know, get over your fears and your nervousness and speak to them. In fact, if your parents, it's COVID world, but if their parents will let you, they love to be touched too, just on the hand or whatever. But uh, if they can't speak, look into their eyes, make human contact, and acknowledge them, and that makes the parent feel so wonderful. It really, it really does. I know um, at work, um, a couple times. Um, moms or families have come in and, and they've had a, a special needs individual with them and um, you know I kind of go up to them and it, it's my job to make sure that they're doing okay um, but yeah just looking at them directly and saying hi how are you today or you know or you know if if you can tell that they're a little bit higher functioning um, there was one that came in and she was all in pink and she was holding a princess doll 
And they were like, oh, I love your princess doll. Are you a princess too? And she just smiled and just smiled and smiled. I mean, you know, so it's, I don't think it's necessarily, now, now some people avoid it because it makes them uncomfortable. And some people just, uh, it's just a subconscious thing. They don't, or an unconscious thing. They don't realize that they're doing it. You know, you're saying hi to the mom and the dad, so you're just, you're saying hi to everybody. But you know, they're they're an individual too that deserves to have attention and and love and be talked to. And just because they might not be able to verbally say something back, and it, it's also for the family, for the parents. We need our children to be acknowledged, to be acknowledged in society, acknowledged in public. Acknowledge the gatherings, family or friends, you know, other other things. We we need you to see them, yeah, and to become comfortable with them, and not continue because they're out there now. It's, it's not the seventies where all these kids were in an institution somewhere or hidden in their homes and they didn't take them out. They're out there in public every day now, and so. We so-called normal people need to adjust, accept them, and be comfortable with them. They're, they are not a threat. Yes, they yeah. are different, but the majority of them are no more threat to you than a baby in a stroller. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they are a human being. They deserve just as much love and attention as somebody who can walk and talk and do everything for themselves. They just sometimes can't ask for it. You know, but it doesn't make them any less deserving of that attention, for sure. And the other thing is that the parents need it, too, because most, I know in my 30 years of care from, especially towards the end, when they're sicker and weaker, the, the loneliness that we feel, the isolation, because it's become quite a burden of caring for them. They're not just moderately sick now towards the end of their life. They're very sick, and... They need to be hooked up to things. They need to be, or they're bed-bound all the time. And so you get very isolated. So if you see them out, it means so much to the parents to acknowledge them. And also to just listen. If mom's having a bad day, you don't have to solve her problem. You just listen to her and affirm her and show her love and support. And that's all you have to do. You don't actually have to fix the problem because you can't fix the problem yeah you have to live true. with the problem you can't fix it very good very good thoughts mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't think about that so to have someone who actually experienced that because you experienced that a lot especially towards the end as far as the isolation and he was just so sick you really couldn't go anywhere during the day until dad was home or unless I came over to watch him well in Kansas we didn't get we were on a waiting list, waiver list for the entire time we were here because uh, the state don't fund it the way they should. But so he was, he was no longer able to go to school after he hit the age of 21. So the last nine years, he was 100% mine to entertain, <laughs> care for while we waited on support. Now I did get some physical therapy and you know, some help from family, friends, and church, and different things. But as far as government services or something outside the home, there was nothing for those. So I had to create it. And 
It does leave you isolated, especially when I didn't get connected with the school system. Yeah. And not really know anyone with special needs in the community. So I did. Very lonely. So that is one of the biggest things that bothers me now that he's gone is that anytime I hear a story about another mother struggling, it takes me right back. And I just want to cry because I know there's still millions of them out there still in the battle, still in the fight, still fighting hard for their children against the odds with not much support or understanding. It's really hard once they become adults. All the resources and supports dry up. Options are limited. I remember when we went to that um, that show at the, that had all the stuff for those special needs individuals. And I was like, we kept finding all this really cool stuff. Like, oh, this would be so cool to have Aaron do. Like, the, the thing that make the the costumes for wheelchairs. And I was like, oh, this would be awesome. And then we, we started, like, signing up for it. And I was like, oh, no, once you're, I think it was, eight, 18, was 18, 18 was the cutoff for that. You know, and a lot of the services stop at 18, 21. Once they become adult ages, everything here just kind of stops. And they have to go to adult doctors no more pediatric doctors or hospital and what they need often especially my son did was more of the child services because they're child forever but you're forced into the system the system says you're 18 so you gotta go to the adult hospital even though he would be better served at the at the children's hospital yeah but well in michigan the one, the one thing I not very much I like about Michigan, <laughs> and no offense to anybody if you're listening that lives in Michigan, but the one thing that I liked about there was that he went to school because he had schooling until they what they had you could be in the school until you were 26 I think. It's the only state in the country that goes that high, and from what I was told from one of his counselors, it was purely by accident. It was supposed to be 21, and someone misread the number one that was written sloppily as a six it was mm. typed up as 26 and nobody noticed wow and it went through and was signed into legislation before anyone realized that's crazy well it tells you how well our government works i mean it was i mean he had some good times like the the horse riding that he did there that i mean not that he really cared about horses much but he got to do horse riding, and I mean, he he even did horse riding in in Oklahoma. We have video of him. How old would you say he was in those videos that we have when they went horse riding with with his class in Oklahoma? It yeah. was around the bombing of the Murrow Building. So he couldn't have been more than what six, because the bombing was in ninety five. He was born in eighty nine. Well, remember he was riding that one time while those kids from the bombing were riding. Yeah, the little kids that got injured. And they're trying to make him throw a ball and a hoop. And he's just like, the look on his face is like, and I'm doing this, why? <laughs> he couldn't care less. But it, it got him out and about. And, you know, he... Well, there was always a struggle, especially as he got sicker, about getting him out and having activities and versus how much did he enjoy it. Yeah. Now, part of me always tried to keep pushing him to, to stay open to things to enjoy things, try new things, see new things, go new places, whether it was just a walk at a different park or whatever. And uh, towards the end, he pushed back a lot. He'd 
was very unhappy at times that I was dragging him about <laughs> to these different places <laughs> or dragging him up a slide to slide down or like we did at the corn maze. Oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, by the end, <clears throat> I would get the, get that look. Like, you would get the business. That's what we called it. The business, and he'd fold his arms, and he just refused to smile. Or he did that thing where he'd, like, like curl both of his hands together, and he would just, like, beat them against his chin, like, and he would just get this look on his face, like, I don't like this, and you're making me do it, and it needs to stop right now. <laughs> and that's why I always brought the count. Yes. And when I would whip out the count when he was in one of his moods, I would have my phone camera ready. So I could always have one smile. picture where he's smiling. <laughs> so people would think he actually enjoyed his day. And I would pull out count and I'd go, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Bling, the bat, the bat. And then he would break out the pig smile and laugh. I'd take a picture and say, oh, Aaron loved the, the zoo. Or Aaron <laughs> loved the arboretum or whatever <laughs> he really didn't he loved the count at the zoo in the arboretum yeah, but it was know. my way of putting a better face on that sour face sometimes because i was doing it in my mind i needed it too because i needed to get out but i also knew he needed to get out and get away from the tv sometimes and do something different yeah and see something different and uh Sometimes he enjoyed it, but sometimes towards the end, not so not much. Not so much, no. He just wanted like to be at home. the car wash. Gosh. <laughs> he he had no interest in that car wash. And I thought he would have, like, with all the stuff going on outside the windows. No. He was just looking down at whatever book was in his lap. He couldn't care less well, what now, was going I on. I did get some smiles by doing the uh, wheelchair through the car wash. And then we make a big loop down at the bottom of the driveway, and I do the serpentine thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, I got a few smiles then because he liked to go fast and stuff. Now, now for you listening, we did not actually roll his wheelchair through an actual car wash. Um, we're not that reckless. Um, they actually built him a car wash out of PVC pipe and little fun noodles and had the hose hooked up to it and it would squirt water out and all these different holes and everything um just to get him out get him sun and yeah, uh, his vitamin d was always low yeah and i thought the only way he can be out in the heat of summers he has to be around water and he didn't want to be in a pool he had completely <laughs> he had got no to interest. the point where he hated water uh, uh, his feet in water particularly because of the diabetes so I thought, well, well, we'll make it like a mist. It won't be heavy. We'll just do a few holes at low pressure. But this way I can run them through it every few minutes to keep them cool, you know, and and uh, he still didn't like it. No. <laughs> it was a great idea, though. It was it was really cool kind of running him, see him go through it and everything. But UPS guy went through it. Did he really? <laughs> he delivered a package while we were out there, and he's like, it was a hot day, and he's like, mind if I run through? <laughs> no, I just wasn't quick enough with my phone to get a picture. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um, we're, we're getting pretty close here, and, and, I, and I told you guys that we would answer some questions that you guys um, sent in. Um, I'm going to try to ask ones that won't be too, too sad. Um, 
And, and question, one of these questions was from Tara, was what are some of your favorite memories? We've, we've kind of actually just made this episode just kind of memories and some of our favorites, so I kind of feel... My favorites is the, his fingers in the nape of my neck, cleaning his ears with the swabs, um, just smelling his hair after bath, and that smile, that snarl. Yeah. I think mine would be... Um, sitting next to him on the couch and just making him go, <laughs> I loved that, you know, and you would do it and then you would do it back to him and then he'd do it again and you just kind of see how many times you could get him to do it back and forth. And if you altered the sound of yours from a um to a um or something a little different, oh yeah, sometimes he changes a little. Yeah. And I think those just those little sounds, I think the little sounds are what I miss the most. The little chocolate brown eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, those eyes were gorgeous. Um, This one is specifically for you, and it's from Caroline. And it says, how did your relationship differ with each of your kids? How did it differ between me and Aaron? Uh Hi, Caroline. Thanks for the question. Um... That's interesting. Sarah is the firstborn. And, of course, you don't know what you're doing with your firstborn. At least I didn't. And she was um, a handful. You know, she challenged me a lot. Pushed the boundaries and stuff. And she was a normal child, normal. Actually, she did everything early. So I was ill-prepared for my second pregnancy. Um, when I was pregnant, the Lord spoke to me in my, my prayer life and said, your child will be different. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean different? And explain. And he, of course, didn't. But I did not feel the same in that pregnancy. It felt different from my first. And uh, anyway, when he was born, she was very jealous. A jealous little girl. <laughs> She loved him, and she's got a big old smile on her face when she's holding him in the hospital and everything, but there was rivalry for attention because he turned out to be sickly, so he very quickly had therapists and extra doctor visits and all sorts of special equipment, things that I didn't have with her, and so whenever he got all this attention, she was always battling for her own share of it. how did I treat him differently? Is that the question? Just how did your relationship differ? Well, obviously, Sarah had a mind of her own. She could talk back. She could, uh, we could have discussions. I could teach her things. Um, with Aaron, after about eight months, his first eight months, I don't think he made much progress whatsoever the rest of his life. I mean, I we tried to teach him things, but it rarely produced any results. So I would say with one child, you can continue to teach and you can continue to try to mold and influence and share with and do things, you know, like equals almost, you know, she can communicate, she can understand these similar experiences. But with the other child, you're, you become a 
healthcare provider, nurse, doctor, you know, teacher, but you can't teach much because of the function of the brain doesn't allow him to learn beyond a point. And it's just like, it's two different relationships. And it's not a mother-son relationship either, or exclusively it's a mother-son, it's a doctor-son, it's a nurse-son, it's a it's a caregiver's son, and, you know, I knew every inch of his body intimately. I only knew Sarah's that way for the first few years. So, yeah, it's just different because they have different needs. So you treat them differently. When Sarah would get real jealous, I'd simply say, like, well, do you want his life? Does this life look appealing to you? You should be thankful, you know. But for the grace of God, here goes me, right? So, yeah, I think it. I took it. It took me a bit to to get past the 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 jealousy of of him getting the attention, and you know, I had to get older before you know it, you, he needed the attention because he couldn't do things on his own and. You know, I got to a point where I, I could do everything for myself. I didn't need help to get dressed. I could feed myself. I could, you know, take a shower by myself. You know, I could do all these things by myself. And he was still nonverbal and in diapers and couldn't do anything, you know. And I think once I got to that point, I was like, well, okay, you know, my childhood makes more sense now. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't because mom loved Aaron more. It was just Aaron needed more from mom. Well, yeah. I mean, for a longer period of time. Oh, yeah, definitely. You needed just as much when you were born as he did. Yeah. But you quickly moved beyond that. Very true, yes. Whereas he stayed there forever. (laughs) Yep, he was a baby forever. I had a lot of struggles at first when he was a child, young child, watching all the new babies in the nursery when I'd work in there, pass him up in just months. They'd be doing things he couldn't do I had to really fight not making comparisons because it was depressing. When he was young, I still had some hope that he might achieve higher functioning than he did. And so as each year passed, I had to let go of that and lower expectations and lower expectations till there really weren't any expectations left, (laughs) you know. And at that point, somewhere between 10 and 12, 15 years old, I knew he was what he was. He wasn't going to get in any way better in that area. He wasn't going to have more cognitive or understanding. He was never going to speak. He was never going to learn to be potty trained. Or And you just have to accept that. But you don't start off accepting it. It's a gradual, gradual thing, because if I had to know all that on day one, I think I would have been overwhelmed. Yeah. I only had to learn it as it came. I didn't have to learn it all at once. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to do another question, but whenever we get talking on the subject of Aaron, we just kind of go on and on. I, I get that from you. My, my gift of gab and just talk, talk, talk. I do it. I do it all the time. I'm always. I'm one of those people that's like, okay, well, I'm gonna get going, and then like ten minutes later, I'm still talking and have made no footsteps towards the door whatsoever. Um, 
but um, we will have to kind of wrap things up. Um, we might do another session soon, maybe do a mom part two and have you come back and we'll talk some more about Aaron, maybe dive into some more of the um, sadder parts of Aaron, I think. Um, I really wanted this to be more of just kind of a a, a look into his life and, and what life was like for us with him. Um, you know, it, it definitely had its high points. Um, it, and it definitely had its low points. And then there was all of the good memories in between. Um, but I just want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening again this week. Um, thank you, mom, for coming on and being willing to talk about Aaron and, share some stuff that's going on in your head about Aaron. Um, I am sure everybody enjoyed it. I know a lot of people have asked me um, how you felt during everything and, you know, who better to answer how she felt going through everything than the woman herself. Um, In my opinion, I'm just going to take a minute to brag on my mom. I know everybody says that their mom is the best, but watching my mom over the last 30, well, the, for, for his 30 years, just all the, the, the care and the love and the effort that she put into making sure he had the best life he could. I mean, a mom doesn't get better than that. I mean, you literally poured your entire life into him and, um, he might not have, made much progress physically or mentally but he was loved and I think he knew that and and a person's life is more about more than what they can do for others but what they teach others you know he couldn't do a lot for other people but if you took the time to watch and get to know him you could learn a lot Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I know myself personally. I mean, just watching him go through illness after illness, you know, you definitely learn patience. I mean, yeah, he didn't have patience when his video was over. But, you know, all the trips to the hospital and, and all the poking and prodding that he went through. And he would still, at the end of the day, smile, you know, and... and, and you know, again, not complain. And he, he teaches you unconditional love. I mean, regardless of who you were, you know, if you took the time to spend five minutes with him, I mean, he'd just think you were the best thing and smile at you. And he, I don't think he ever met a person he didn't like. And he liked everybody, you know, all you had to be was childlike. Yep. Because that was where his level was. If you were too proud or too, I don't know, stiff, formal, whatever, OCD, whatever. You had to get down on his level. You, If you could not get yourself into a childlike frame of mind and act like a child, then you probably weren't going to relate with him because you had to meet him where he was. And mm-hmm. when he, he taught me to stay a child, I think, I think... Since he's left, you ask my husband, her dad, <laughs> the pranks and things I still like to do uh, to stay 
youthful and childlike like he was. Yeah, I remember the time I came in from out of the rain barefoot and fell right in front of him. <laughs> fell right because my floor was wet tile and I slid out and fell right. We were like face to face and he's just laughing. And I'm like, you little stinker, I could have killed myself. And you just thought it was funny because I fell down. <laughs> he was something else. Well, anyways, we're going to have to wrap things up because, again, we are both the type of people who literally would be like, okay, and then, like, five minutes, we're still going. So we will probably more, most definitely have a mom part two, um, and that will probably be coming in the near future. Um, but please, a sequel? Yes, a sequel. A mom sequel. <laughs> so please tune in next week. Um, I am having another guest next week. Um, to kind of talk with them, uh, find out a little bit more about their sibling and life with them. So please tune in next week for that. Um, Be safe out there and don't forget to get out there and make somebody smile. Um, I have found that is, that's my goal every day, make one person smile. So make that your goal this week every day. Go out there and do something that just makes somebody else smile. Make their day Um, because you never know what somebody's going through. But yeah, be safe out there and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.